Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. You guys know my dad loves it. They are so convenient, no appointment needed. You can stay in your car while they do all the work. And their friendly expert technicians have over 270 hours of training and will get you in and out fast while performing a thorough, free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. I recently went to Valvoline and I got my oil changed and everyone there was so wonderful and nice and really just informative. I feel like I learned a lot about my car. Visit valvoline.com slash office ladies for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. Love starts with you. You heard me. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that set a shining example for the world to see. From big feelings to small messages, beautiful hand-finished jewelry from Pandora radiates with your love from every angle. Pandora has a huge selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms. There are endless ways to show what's in your heart. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. We're recording in the afternoon, so I was wondering what you might say, because it's not morning, and you always say good morning. (laughs) It's true. It's true. This is a very rare occasion for us. It is. I actually want to start off by saying thank you, and I might get emotional right at the top, but I had a medical emergency with my mom, and I flew back home to Texas, and I just want you guys out there to know that Jenna... And Cassie and Sam and everyone at Office Ladies Pod and Earwolf just let me, I just left. I just dropped everything and left. You did. And there was. And we were fine. And there were no questions. You guys were just like, get home to your mom. Mm -hmm. And it just meant so much to me to have that support that I could do that and I could go there and be with her. And everything's okay now. It was a scary few days, but I'm just so thankful for you, Jenna. And I'm so thankful that we get to do this podcast because family comes first. Well, Angela, I think I speak for everyone when I say that it was our pleasure to make that space for you. And we're so glad that you were able to be there with her because family does come first. Yes. And we're recording in the afternoon so I could have an extended time with her. Yeah. And, um, and what are we talking about? <laughs> well, I'm today... So, I'm so out of it. We are talking about Last Day in Florida. Oh, right. Yes. It is Season 8, Episode 18, written by Robert Padnick and directed by Matt Sohn. And here's your summary. As their time in Florida comes to a close, Jim tries to warn Dwight about Robert California's secret plan to sandbag the Saber store and fire him. Meanwhile, Daryl and Toby compete to sell Girl Scout cookies, and Aaron decides to stay in Florida and be Irene's live-in helper. I love almost every single thing Irene has to say. She's wonderful. She's so great. Her deliveries are great. I wanted Irene to come back to Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) (laughs) That would be perfect. But this was an episode that had 
three very distinct storylines in three different locations. So we had to kind of keep toggling back and forth between all these different places. Fast fact number one, James Spader, a.k.a. Robert California, is back. Mm-hmm. You guys might remember that we shared early on when James Spader was contemplating whether or not he wanted to join our show that he had this opportunity to shoot the movie Lincoln. And he said, I will come, I will do a full season of your show, but you must give me time off to go do this movie, Lincoln. Right. That's where he was. That's where he's been, why we haven't seen him in a while. And so Lincoln wrapped, Mm -hmm. and now here we are. And we also shot this episode in January 2012. It was right after our holiday break. Everyone was back. Everyone was, I guess, rested and excited to get back to work. So if you think maybe we have a little more pep in our step in this episode, it's because we'd all come back from our holiday break. We were rested. Right. All right. Fast fact number two. Guess what else was happening at this time? Well, I know because I went in my digital clutter. Yes. You shared the other week that Greg Daniels congratulated us on our SAG Award nomination. And now here it was time to go. Mm-hmm. This was our fifth time attending the SAG Awards. We had been nominated as a cast every year since 2007. And this one was a particularly memorable one for me because I was four months postpartum. And I was really nervous about getting on a red carpet. I hadn't done that yet. Mm -hmm. Hadn't had to stand in front of a bank of photographers in my postpartumness. And remember, I told you about the coat closet where they let me pump. And yep. I brought my pump with me, uh-huh. and I pumped at the SAG Awards. Woo, woo. I remember walking down the red carpet, and um, they asked me, like, who I was wearing. So I did a little bit that my mm-hmm. handbag was my pump. If you see pictures of me from this red carpet, you can tell I need to pump. I am falling out of my dress. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> I thought you looked so radiant and beautiful, and I loved the color of your dress. Oh, thank you, lady. I was so nervous. And this designer, Max Azria Atelier, offered to make me a custom gown, like designed it mm-hmm. for my postpartum body. Because I don't know if people know, but when you borrow a dress, they have something called sample sizes. Yeah. Sample sizes are very, very small. And oftentimes, even before I had had a baby, I couldn't fit into sample sizes. Also, sample sizes don't fit short people. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But sometimes they would be able to, like, take out the seams a little mm-hmm. bit on the sample sizes, and I could get myself into one. But I had a hard time borrowing a dress, and this designer made me one from scratch. And, oh, my gosh, I remember getting there. I remember running into John and Emily. I remember running into you running into Brian, you all were so kind to me, and you just, like, held me up and gave me all this confidence. It was absolutely amazing. And, lady, I remember what you wore to this. Oh, yeah. I wore a vintage dress. It looked like old Hollywood Mm -hmm. Grecian. It was light blue. Mm -hmm. The way you did your hair was kind of like this nod to old Hollywood. I felt like it was so gorgeous. It was a great look. Thanks. It was true vintage. I'd never done that before. And I did, like, the soft waves. Mm -hmm. I was going really hard for, like, L.A. Confidential. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's kind of what it seemed like. Well, we had a great night that night. We had so much fun. So much fun. I sat next to BJ, and I was really hungry. And, you know, there's not a ton of food. And BJ gave me all of his breadsticks. 
And I'll never forget it. Why do I think I remember this? <laughs> and then guess what else I did? I will always get my words just a little bit off, you know? And my, we know. And my mom. We've been there with you. My mom does this. Like, my mom will say, have you seen Office? It's not the office, right? And basically, I'm turning into my mom in this way. So at that time, the president of NBC was Bob Greenblatt, and he had been a big champion of this new show. Yes. Yeah, no, no, don't say the name. Don't say the name. Okay. Deborah Messing was yep. the lead. It mm-hmm. was about Broadway. Mm-hmm. I had watched the pilot episode, and I liked it. And I said to him, hey, I love Smashed. <laughs> and he said, thanks. It's Smash. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> so... So, Smashed is like a whole other a show. Whole it's other about show. just a bunch yeah. of uh-huh. drunken uh-huh. 20-year-olds. Is any wonder I haven't been on another NBC show? <laughs> the president was like, get rid of that idiot. And then the other thing I remember from this night is, you know, we were at these really long tables. And BJ and I were at one end, sort of towards the stage. And way at the other end by this walkway is where John was sitting. Mm-hmm. And we had these oversized bottles of wine that they set on the table. Yeah. You know, like the big, big bottles. Yeah, they like went up to like your thighs and set them on the ground. Yeah, they were kind of like decorative, but yet you could open them and drink them. So John, his side of the table hadn't opened theirs yet. And Matt Damon walked by and said hi to John and Emily, and they were chatting. And then he turned to all of us, and he goes, hey, are you not drinking this wine? And we're like, oh. And he goes, can I take it? We're like, sure. So Matt Damon took our giant oversized (laughs) bottle of wine. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, I do know that I didn't stay out too late after this one, so I don't really know what happened after the awards. I had a good time at the awards, but Mm -hmm. I was tired, and I knew my baby was going to be up early in the morning. So I went to bed, but I went to bed really happy until the next morning when I woke up, and I found that— I had been placed on, like, every worst dressed list there could be. And this was— Seriously? Yes. This was the year that the woman wrote her, like, worst dress list. And she said that she knew that I only gave birth about four months ago. But, like, seriously, I couldn't look better than I did. Oh, my gosh. So tacky. So tacky. Tacky. I don't think we should have worst dress lists, period. Why are we commenting negatively on people's appearance? We are adults now, right? Like, yeah. and we have we not learned anything? I Get know. rid of worst dressed lists. Nobody cares. No, they suck they and suck. they're unnecessary. And they're tacky. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, put her on my tacky list. Yeah. I know her name. Don't think I have forgotten. I know. I know, Arya Stark. (laughs) All right. Well, moving on to fast fact number three. Have you heard of a blog called Ask a Manager? No. Okay. It's run by this woman named Allison Green. She's a manager. Okay. And she answers questions, like business questions, business advice questions. Okay. About everything from hiring, firing, promoting, managing everything. And I thought, you know, last week we answered people's questions on our podcast. Yeah, we did. Dear office ladies. Dear office ladies. Um, I wondered what Allison would think of the advice we gave. Did you ask her? I did. Can you type it in? (laughs) No, I didn't ask her. But 
I was pointed to her blog because an office fan named James G. from Olympia, Washington, wrote in to Allison and asked a um, kind of cheeky question. Okay. Here's what the letter said. How many employees can a workplace have before it needs a dedicated HR person? If, say, you had a branch location of a mid-sized paper company with 20 people combined in the office and a warehouse, would you need a dedicated HR person on site? Hmm. So clearly, it's an office fan mm-hmm. asking her if Toby needs to be in the office. Yes. So Allison said, you don't generally need a dedicated HR person until you hit more like 50 employees. Hmm. And a lot of companies don't bring one on until they're closer to 100. Allison said, you do need someone to handle things like payroll, benefits administration, but in a small business, that's usually more of a clerk position than someone who would be doing higher-level HR work, like legal compliance or investigations or management coaching. Isn't that interesting that Mm -hmm. the role of an HR person might be management coaching, which is why Michael hated Toby so much? But this was my favorite part. Allison went on to say, but if you're asking about Toby on the office, (laughs) it was never clear to me why he was there. There you go. I mean, add that to also three accountants (laughs) and also a temp who went to Florida and a receptionist that went to Florida. Plus, they hired Ryan back after he pretty much— After he embezzled from the company, right? So someone in hiring isn't making super great choices. Well, James, maybe you can write to Allison next and ask her if a mid-sized paper company with 20 employees needs three accountants. We'll see what she says. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's all I got, lady. Well, I have a little something to share. A while back, I was trading emails with Robert Padnick, and as you know, he wrote this episode, and I asked him about it, and he said it was a really challenging point in the season because there were so many characters and plots to juggle, especially with all of the Florida storylines, and he shared with me a few moments that stand out, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to sprinkle them throughout the episode. Oh, great. And he also shared with me some of his very first outlines, and there was a Pam storyline that he had in his outline that didn't make it, and I want to share that with you, too. This is going to be a good episode. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. So this winter, we went on a little ski trip with another family, and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because... You can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. 
You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to time, all in one place. Well, we've told you before that we use Squarespace for our Office Ladies website, and it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people, and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash officeladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up, did I leave a window open, things like that? Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe Home Security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report, and Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space. You know, I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/officeladies. That's simplysafe.com/officeladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Well, the episode's going to start. Andy gets off the phone and he comes out to the bullpen to share terrible news that Dwight is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, what happened? And Andy's like, no, no. Well, he took the job in Florida. He's going to yes. be the VP. And Angela's like, you implied that something horrible had happened to him. And he goes, yes, he had a stroke. A, a massive ma- stroke. Of good luck. Yes. And now he's in a better place. Well, this makes everyone wonder if they can open up his treasure. I guess he he left behind a treasure chest? Yeah, he did. Who would be insane enough to open it? Mm. Yeah, not sure. Maybe the guy that grows mug beans in his drawer. Maybe. Oscar has a talking head that says, When the team left for Tallahassee, Dwight told everyone not to touch his treasure. Obviously, he wants us to obsess about it. There's nothing in there. Which is obviously what he would want us to think, making it the perfect place to hide a treasure. Oh, God, I'm Wallace Shawn in The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. I loved that talking head. Lady, I have something in common with Oscar. What? I also portrayed Wallace Shawn. Oh, yes, I remember this. Here's a fun fact for you guys. During the pandemic, Jason Reitman, who, as you guys all know, has directed several Office episodes, reached out to Brian, Oscar, and myself to be part of a Princess Bride reenactment to raise money for World Central Kitchen. Basically, everyone got a few lines. He reached out to a whole bunch of actors, and you just delivered your line at home. Your family member would, like, film you with a cell phone. I wore my son's Shakespeare costume that he used in fifth grade (laughs) for his English project. And then Jason took all this footage and put it all together to sort of play out the whole movie. But it was really sweet and very homemade. And the great thing is it raised a million dollars for World Central Kitchen. Wow. And for those of you who aren't familiar with World Central Kitchen, it is a charity that was started by Chef Jose Andres. And they immediately take meals to people in need, whether it be from a natural disaster or humanitarian crisis. And they feed people when they need it most. I remember they were some of the first people on the ground 
in Ukraine. Yep. They showed up in Maui after the fires. Yes. If there's anywhere that's been hit with a hurricane or anything, they are there. Mm -hmm. I think they've served something like almost 300 million meals to people in need. Wow. So it's a pretty amazing organization. I follow them on Instagram because I just like to see where they are in the world helping people. I actually have our clip, me and Brian and Oscar. Oscar is playing Inigo Montoya. Brian is playing Fezzik. And I am playing Vizzini. Here's the clip. He has very good arms. He didn't fall? Inconceivable! You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. That's it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love all the extra sound effects. I know. Now, were you pretending like you were looking over the side of a cliff? Yes, (laughs) but really, I was just standing like on a ladder on the side of my house, and we try to find, like, a tree that looked like shrubbery or something. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's pretty cool. Well, now Andy is standing in front of a whiteboard. They're clearly having a conversation Mm -hmm. as to whether or not they should open the treasure and what the treasure might hold. I wish we could have seen more of this conversation because people have been making suggestions. Look at that dry erase board behind Andy. Here are a few. Shroot bones. Mm -hmm. Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Nudie mags, rosebud type scenario, photos with our toothbrushes up his butt, actual gold trap. These are everyone's theories. They're not bad theories. They're really not. Although I might change Star Wars stuff to Battlestar Galactica stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, everyone decides Creed should open the box. And when he does, it's a photo of everybody. Yeah, a really nice photo. Mm-hmm. And then a dart flies up, almost hitting Creed, and goes into the ceiling. We had a fan question from Lily R. in El Salvador, who said, Please tell us the story behind that photo. You all look so happy and out of character. Especially Rain and Angela and Mindy are holding hands. It's really <laughs> cute. I zoomed in on the picture, Lily, and then I also asked Steve Burgess, What is this picture? Was it on the call sheets for the week? Did we have to Mm -hmm. take it? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, there was nothing on the call sheets. He thinks Phil just found some random photo we had taken as a cast one day. Maybe it was someone's birthday. We have no idea. He wasn't sure. But we don't look in character, for sure. We're not in character, but we're all in costume. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it was a photo that we took on set for the new season. I wish I had it. I really like it. It's really cute. Dwight is going to have a talking head now where he's like, are you kidding me? Who would put a poison dart? Not that he knows for sure that it was a poisonous dart, Mm -hmm. but they probably shouldn't have been opening someone's treasure chest. Mm -hmm. I want to point out a lovely bird of paradise behind Dwight during this talking head. Oh. So. All right. So this episode starts on the golf course. Dwight, Nellie, Jim, and Robert California are playing around a golf. Cringe fest. Oh, gosh. So cringy. Well, Robert just loves the chemistry between Dwight and Nellie. Mm-hmm. And Nellie is thrilled that they're going to be working alongside one another. I mean, they're a regular Archibald and George. Mm-hmm. Not a real English Not duo, Not a real English says. duo, no. No, she really made Robert look like the goat of Dover. The goat of Dover. Also not real. Made up. Mm-hmm. I decided to Google some famous English duos. Okay. And I thought, why don't I throw some names at you and you tell me if you think they're real or fake? So you've mixed in some fake ones Mm -hmm. with real ones. Correct. Okay. Cannon and Ball. 
Real or phony? Real. Yes! Max and Dolly. Fake. Yes! Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Thompson and Grover. Fake. Yes! Oh, my goodness. You're good. I'm trying. Here's what I'm doing that thing where you, like, play the player. I'm trying to think of how you would position real or fake. (laughs) Okay. Flanders and Swan. Real. Yes. (laughs) Murray and Mooney. Fake. Real. (laughs) Gervais and Merchant. Real. Yes. There's your quiz. Okay. You really made me look like the goat of Dover there. (laughs) Thought I was going to be able to trick (laughs) you. Dwight is really, what's that expression? I had an uncle used to say, he's really showing his ass. You know? Like he's being an idiot. Oh, yeah. He's showing his ass. Mm-hmm. He's he's celebrating too soon. Oh, yes. We have this conversation when we watch football all the time. Don't celebrate too soon. No. It's not a touchdown till it's a touchdown. That's right. Anyway, he's really being annoying. And Jim's like, everyone chipped in, got you a gift, you know, since... You're going to be staying here in Florida. He whacks it with the golf club. Doesn't open it. Doesn't open it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a fan question from Kate F. in Austin, Texas, who said, what was the gift that Dwight teed off on the golf course? Kate, the script never said. I have a guess. What do you think it was? A watch. It seemed watch-sized. Feels like a gift to you give people at work. Like, congrats, thanks, here's your watch. It could have been a prank. But it no, seemed sincere. It did. Jim has a talking head where he says it's a weird feeling knowing that this is the last time he's ever going to see Dwight. Mm -hmm. It's not bittersweet. Yeah, what is it? What's the word? Sweet. Yeah. Well, Daryl's going to enter Andy's office. He's taking his Girl Scout cookie orders for Jada. Yeah, Andy's down for a box of whatever. You know, just whatever you you choose, Daryl. So Daryl chooses trefoils. And Andy groans. He's clearly disappointed. Why did he let Daryl choose? (laughs) I know. I have some Girl Scout cookie stats for you. Ooh, someone else might have gone to their website as well. What you got? Oh, well, I know what their highest selling flavor is nationally. Thin mints. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you know what number two is? Samoas. Is this because you went to the website? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do you know what their least popular cookie is? I I stopped there. The trefoils. Oh. The shortbread. Looks like our writer's room went to the website, too. I like the trefoil. I like a shortbread cookie. We've discussed this. I like it, too. I like a tag-along. Oh, tag-alongs are number three. Mm-hmm. Followed by Adventurefuls, a cookie I'd not heard of. Nope. I guess it's kind of a brownie, and it has like a caramel cream thing on top. I don't know. Fifth place is do dough. That's all I got, though. I have don't know sixth or seventh or anything like that. So if you want that, you're going to have to look it up yourself. Go to the website. Yeah. Well, Toby's going to enter. He's doing the same thing this year. It's his first time ever. He's taking cookie orders for his daughter, Sasha. Uh, 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 uh. Anna Mary S. from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and many others would like to play a bullshit card. Oh, let's play it. I have a catch for this episode involving the cookie storyline. In this episode, Toby tries to sell cookies by saying that it's Sasha's first year. (gasps) However, in stress relief... Toby makes Dwight buy cookies from him in exchange for signing his apology letter. Good Mm -hmm. catch. Good catch. Very good catch. But anyway, he says it's Sasha's first year. And Daryl's a little bit like, dude, 
This is my territory. You yeah. can't just, I've been selling cookies here for years. You can't just come in here. No. They ultimately settle with this. Daryl says, you know what? You can have the whole entire office. Just give me accounting. Toby's like, hey, that sounds like a good deal. How did Toby not realize what Daryl was doing right away? I don't know. I mean, come on. It's Kevin. It's Kevin. Kevin. Kevin buys more cookies than anyone else combined. That's really who you want. Well, now we're going to check in with our third storyline of the episode, which mm-hmm. is Erin. Yeah. She is now working for Irene, the yeah. elderly lady that she met at the store opening. Mm-hmm. She's been grocery shopping. Kind of running her errands, doing her odds and ends. Mm-hmm. We had a fan catch from Aaron W. in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who said, I spot Harvey's supermarket bags. Aaron, so did I. Did you know that Harvey supermarkets were established nearly a century ago by Iris and J.M. Harvey? In 1924? Yeah. And... I think we read the same website again because their son, Joe, took over in 1950. They are spread out through Florida and Georgia. Although, in August of this year, it was announced that Winn-Dixie and Harvey's were going to be acquired by Aldi. Yeah. And so some are going to stay Harvey's and And some some are are going to be Aldi's. Aldi's. Yeah. Well, I'll have you know that I texted with Phil Shea about these grocery bags. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he got the bags from Harvey's just for this scene. I love that. Also, if you zoom in on the medicine bottles, there's a montage of Aaron doing these chores for Irene. Yeah, Yeah, the little pill bottles, I guess. He had labels printed with Irene's name on them. Phil Shea, y'all. Phil Shea. He does not mess around. It's all in the details. So I have two favorite lines in this episode, and one of them is in this scene. Irene wants to introduce Aaron to her grandson. (laughs) And... Georgia Engel delivers this so perfectly. She says, when can I introduce you to my grandson? He's a wonderful swimmer, shallow in, deep in. He does it all. I know. (laughs) So brilliant. I thought that was so funny. Erin says today's not going to work because she has to tell Andy she's staying in Florida. I'm going to play a bullshit card. Okay. Really? She's already left under Mifflin. She's no longer working for them. She's been living with Irene, running her errands. I don't know how many days now. She hasn't let anyone at the company know. She hasn't given notice. And now she's just going to casually mention it on like a FaceTime call with Andy. This isn't how people operate in the business world. I know, but it's Aaron. I know. But it's true. Has this not gotten back in some official manner? Like, has she not shown up for things? Right, on the Sabre side. She's just disappeared at all Sabre meetings and moved in with Irene. She's mentioned it to Ryan, who I guess supposedly put it in his Tumblr. (laughs) You know what? I know. That's in an upcoming scene. And, lady, I was like, what is Tumblr? And I went on. what it was. Okay, I looked it up because I wanted to remember. I was like, oh, yeah, Tumblr. Here's what they call themselves. They're a cross between a social networking site and a blog often referred to as a microblog. Is it just where you update people? I needed to learn more. I created a Tumblr account. Stop it. Just because I needed to understand what it is more. Is it photos or you just type things? It looked like a combination of Twitter and Instagram. Okay. So, like, you could write a much longer thing. Okay. But you could also put a picture. All right. Sam, Cassie, have you guys ever 
tumbled? Oh, yeah, I had a tumbler for a long time. Am I describing it correctly? Yeah, I'd say it's like a personal blog. But it's mini because it shows up like a scroll. Yeah, you it's just It's not like a website. Them. No, you're scrolling through a lot of different blogs at once, like Reddit or uh, Instagram. Okay. I don't even understand Reddit. I don't understand how you post on Reddit. I don't understand what a subreddit is in compared to a regular a regular Reddit. Reddit. Do you? No. I don't understand any of it. I appreciate people out there on Reddit because you and I sometimes come across some cool information. Yep. I don't understand it. Do you have to have an account? Oh, my gosh. We're 100. Yes, you do. Okay. And what's a subreddit? I actually don't know. I don't know. I did learn what LOL really means. Oh, no, Ange, we didn't want to tell you. Oh, yeah. I, everyone's been tagging me in that, asking why I didn't interject, like you Cassie and I, so why sweet. we didn't interject. And I just you wanted were, to let you have that moment. You were it was, so, it I was, was talking such a about nice my story. dad. Yeah. But it's laugh out loud, but yeah. not you, lots of laughs. But I yes. think you knew that, right? I think I did. I think I confused it. In the moment. In the moment. But when you text me LOL, you mean laugh out loud, right? I think I just mean I'm (laughs) laughing. I'm laughing real hard. (laughs) LRH. Laughing real hard. LR. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Anyway, back to this scene. Robert Padnick, our writer, shared with me that he wrote a joke for this scene that was one of his favorite ones in the episode. He said when Aaron serves Irene boiled Gatorade that it just was this small, (laughs) silly joke, but it still makes him chuckle to this day. I almost boiled some Gatorade and drank it just to see how awful it would be, but I didn't. (laughs) I want you to know I did a lot of kind of like hands-on experimentation for this episode. I have a big one coming up that I have yet to share. But I mean, I started my own Tumblr. I almost boiled Gatorade. What did you do? I'm playing the scenes in my head. Oh, my gosh. What did you do? It's a big tangent. You'll have to wait for it. Okay. I hope you like it. All right. Well, now Nellie is going to get some very hands-on golf instruction from Robert. Super cringy. Super cringy. You know, we had a fan question from Alex F. in Larkspur, California, who said, My dad and I were watching the golf course scene, and we were very adamant to point out that that is California. It is not Florida. Do you have any idea what course they're playing on? Well, thanks to Steve Burgess, I do know what course they were playing on. This was Braemar Country Club on Reseda Boulevard in Tarzana. It is near the Balboa Sports Complex, which is where we would set up our base camp of trailers and work vehicles. I looked up the club. It's named after Braemar, Scotland, which is a town known for its golfing. The club has hosted several golf tournaments, like the LPGA's Women's Kemper Open, and they also have a tennis club. Yes. They have hosted the Virginia Slims and the Davis Mm -hmm. Cup. They have a lot of different memberships. If you're interested, you can do full golf, limited golf, racket sports, or social. Full golf gets you everything. You can golf anytime. You can play tennis, pickleball, fitness. You can eat in the restaurant, whatever you want. You can swim in the pool. It's the main membership, top membership. Is this what you did? Did you go there and try out the club? 
I joined the club <laughs> just so I could talk about it on the podcast. I was like, I it did. seems like you learned a lot about it. I did. It's, did you really? It's it's an initiation fee of anywhere from 20000 to 100000 to join, oh but I did God. it for the pod. I, That's insane. I charged Earwolf. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jenna is kidding, you guys. Not, I did not join this club. But if you want to join, you can join. Like I said, the... They don't say on the website what the fees are. I had to dig a little deeper. Mm. So that's approximate, mm-hmm. you know. But Sounds- you have to pay a ton to join. And then you also have to pay per year after that. Country clubs are expensive, they I are guess. So I'm not clearly not a member yeah, of any. Me either. But, but that's um cha-ching, cha-ching. You know what I secretly hoped? What? I've always read about how people play golf in Florida and an alligator will just walk on the what do you call it? Field? No. Course? Golf course? course? Yes. <laughs> Golf field? What is wrong with us today? I don't know. I have had no sleep. But yeah, I thought how great would it have been if, in the distance if you saw an this alligator. Is now, this is turning into Happy Gilmore now. Oh my if God, you have it is. A, it is. An alligator An alligator walk on. Back at Dunder Mifflin, Daryl is going to walk over to accounting. It's time to sell Kevin some cookies. Kevin has a talking head that I really feel like we need to hear. In the shooting draft script, it said Kevin has an 80s-style rap energy. Yes, this is his way of expressing his enthusiasm for the cookie season. Yeah. Oh, the springtime thinks that it's the best. And fall time thinks that it's the best. Cold time has kind of a strut. And Valentine's thinks that it's the best. But gather around, peeps, I'll tell you the truth. Nothing beats the cookie season. That's the truth. He's ready. (laughs) He wants his cookies. Our writer, Robert, shared with me that in one of his early outlines for this episode, he had written a runner for Pam and Kevin. Oh. Yeah. So Pam loves Thin Mints. They're her favorite. And Kevin overhears her ordering her two box of Thin Mints, and he makes fun of her for liking them. He calls her an amateur. Mm. And then their storyline would have continued, but I'm going to save the second part for later. Oh, I like this. I like this little Kevin-Pam thing that never happened. I know, <laughs> but it was interesting to me, and it they sort of would have had a bonding moment, uh-huh. which Pam and Kevin hardly ever have. Yeah. So it didn't make it in, but I love that Robert Padnick shared it with me. Well, I did love when Pam and Kevin had their moments. When they did, they were rare, like you said. But, you know, remember they had second breakfast? Yeah. And second lunch and everything? Mm. I think we should take a break because when we come back, I have a big deep dive for you. And I hope your taste buds are ready for it. It's not cookies. Did you bring Girl Scout cookies? Nope. It's not cookies. I know, you just said that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll be back. Listen to this, because this sounds amazing to me. Ready? Okay. In a world that stops for no one, with life dominated by screens, there's still a place filled with endless reasons to put the phone down and pick up life. Doesn't that sound lovely? Where are we talking about? South Dakota. That's where Lee was born! Really? South Dakota. How did I not know that? I don't know. I didn't know he was born in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. He has family there. Well, South Dakota is a great place to vacation and adventure. 
You can get worlds away from home in the Badlands, find peace among the pines and the Black Hills, and unwind with each bend of the Missouri River. And if you're looking for love, you might find a Lee there. Oh my gosh. Made a good fella, South Dakota did. From Sioux Falls to Deadwood, you'll find yourself getting lost in a place that brings you closer to the world around you. You can immerse yourself in the creativity of both contemporary and traditional crafts. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 23 hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed Data Worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Just go to Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. Mm -hmm. And Kevin is getting ready to make his cookie order. Okay. Daryl's standing there, you know, and Kevin is scratching the cookie sheet and smelling it. The order sheet, yeah. Yeah, remember this? And Daryl's like, it's not scratch and sniff. And Kevin's like, sometimes you can get something. Well, this small moment in this episode prompted Amy E. from Nova Scotia, Canada to write in, and it made my day. This is right up my alley, Amy. Amy from Nova Scotia, what you got? Amy said, I have been waiting for this episode to share a bit of a fun deep dive that I think you'll appreciate. When Kevin is trying to scratch and sniff the cookie order form and claims, quote, you still get a little something, <laughs> there is clearly a power of suggestion at work here. And every time I watch this scene, I'm reminded of how the power of suggestion when it comes to smell swept an entire nation and how it still lives on today in myth and infamy. Myth and infamy, the drama. <laughs> An entire nation. Okay, let's hear it. Amy went on to explain. In 2011, Canada switched to plastic $100 bills. And shortly thereafter, dozens of people started reaching out to the Bank of Canada to ask if they had embedded a scratch and sniff on the $100 bill because they swore they noticed that their $100 bills smelled like maple syrup. Everyone agreed. Maple syrup. Maple syrup. Word got out about this alleged maple syrup-scented money, and Canadians across the whole country started reporting that they, too, smelled maple syrup in the $100 bill. Amy said, as a Canadian myself... <gasps> Did you bring a $100 bill from Canada? No! Oh. So sorry. <laughs> I did not fly to Canada. Well, I don't know. You can go to a bank and maybe exchange, I don't know, currency. Anyway, you didn't. It's okay. I Continue. didn't. Continue. I wish I had. I'm trying to guess what you did. Oh, okay. You'll never guess. It's okay. completely unrelated to... Scratch and sniff? Sort of. 
Okay. We'll get there. Okay, okay, we okay. will get okay. there. You know how I am with surprises. I can't take you it. You liked you're a guesser. I'm a guesser. I should have just surprised you. Okay. But keep, I set it up and now you now I'm know. guessing. Okay. Yes. Anyway, Amy said that as a Canadian myself, I can confirm that I have tested this and I also think that the one hundred dollar bills had a hint of a maple syrup scent. Amy said the Bank of Canada reports that it did not include any maple syrup scent. It was not added. And a professor from McGill University who specializes in olfactory perception told ABC News that it is possible to smell a smell that's not actually there, although it is uncommon on such a large scale, like across an entire country's population. So this professor, Dr. Marilyn Jones Gottman, explained that olfactory illusions are typically triggered by emotional stimuli. So in this scene, Kevin, he's rapped about these cookies, right? Like he has an emotional response, an emotional stimuli to getting his cookie sheet. So it is possible that he would smell the cookies on this cookie sheet. I get it. I get it. Right? Yeah. So Amy said, I hope you enjoyed this little deep dive. And fun fact, NPR reported on the Canadian maple syrup money phenomenon in 2013 And then did a poll asking Americans what they thought a good scent would be for the American dollar bill. And the winner was the apple pie, followed by bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just thought was really funny. Yeah. So here's the thing. I found this so interesting that I shared it with my family one night at dinner because I do that. I share with them little tidbits that I learned by doing this podcast. And my son was like, Mom, oh, my gosh. Yes, this is a thing about how all of these senses work to sometimes trick you into smelling things that aren't really there or even tasting things that aren't really there. And he told me about an article in Cosmopolitan, I don't know how he came across this article, called The Crazy Thing You Never Knew About Skittle Flavors, which is Was he looking up Skittles? He was probably (laughs) looking up Skittles. Yeah. But- Here is what it is. Skittles come in five colors, but they all have the same taste formula. And I said, no, they don't. I know that a red Skittle tastes different than a yellow Skittle. And he said, no. There's nothing in the color enamel. There's no taste in the color enamel. No. Here's what it is. You brought us Skittles. I brought you Skittles. Now you can relax. Okay. You figured it out. Yes. Because we ended up buying Skittles and doing this taste test at home, and I thought maybe we would enjoy doing it here. But what it is is they do have different colors and different fragrances. So it is your olfactory senses Mm -hmm. that are tricking you into thinking you are tasting something, but you are not. This is very interesting because a few years ago, I got COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. like part of like the OG Mm -hmm. strain of COVID. And my husband and I both lost our sense of taste and smell. Mm -hmm. I could cut a lemon in half. I could lick it. I could bite into it. Nothing. I sort of got a message from my tongue that something was tingling, but I couldn't taste it. Mm -hmm. I bit into a hamburger. It tasted like cotton balls. We had soup. I dumped a ton of cayenne pepper. I couldn't taste it at all. My nose started to run a little. Oh, uh-huh. but I couldn't taste it. 
I mean, these two things are so linked. Yeah. Your smell and your taste. And I was, it was depressing. It took all the joy out of eating and cooking because you couldn't smell anything. Well, I guess the Skittles people are using this fact to Mm -hmm. their advantage, this link between the olfactory senses and the taste, Mm -hmm. because it's way more expensive to manufacture five different insides than it is to just put a bit of fragrance and a color. But the sight is another part of it. I want to say, I have another study for you. There was a study done in England where this guy named Charles Spence gave a bunch of British students clear beverages and clear bottles. All the different beverages were actually flavored different flavors. He had orange, grape, apple, and lemon. And when they tasted all the beverages, when they were clear, they were able to say what they were. They were like, that's lemon. That's grape. Orange. Got it. But then he put food coloring in them that did not correspond to the taste. Yes. So, like, he put orange food coloring in the grape-flavored drink. And when they drank it, they said it was orange-flavored. Wow. They couldn't taste the actual flavor anymore because their eyes were telling them that it was a different flavor. Interesting. Right? Yeah. All right. So are you ready? Mm -hmm. Sam, Cassie, would you all like to come in here and eat some Skittles as well? Skittles challenge. Let's see how it goes. Okay. I got my Skittles. And I promise everyone we will continue breaking down this episode after we eat some Skittles. All right. So here's how we did it. I closed my eyes, and I put my hand out, Mm -hmm. and then um, I showed what I had, and then I ate it, and I tried to guess. But you also have to plug your nose because Mm -hmm. here's the crazy thing. When I wasn't plugging my nose, I was able to tell what flavor Mm -hmm. it was. But when I plugged my nose, they all tasted the same to me. But if I was in the middle of chewing and then I opened up my nose, I could suddenly then taste Uh, it again. uh Because they're scented? Because they're scented. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to give you all the same one, Yeah. obviously. Okay, your eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. Closing eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're just supposed to eat it, and now are we plugging our nose? You have to plug your nose. Okay. okay. All right. Show everybody what it was. I don't know. Can you see it? The color they are eating is... Orange. It's hard to chew when you can't breathe. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You can't breathe through your mouth? I'm trying while I chew, but it's oh. difficult. <laughs> okay. Sam, now, did you know what it was before you unplugged your nose? Because you're still chewing. You oh, am I supposed to unplug my nose now? Now you can try. But what did you think it was? Orange. Cassie? Green. I thought it was green. It was orange. Oh! Nice. Very good. Very, nice. Very good. Would you like one more? Yes. I'm going to uh, myself. Okay. <laughs> the color they've been given is... Purple. So now you're chewing it. Your noses are plugged. Do you have any sense of what it is? No. No. Okay, unplug your nose. Did that help? Did you yeah. get a burst of flavor mm-hmm. when yeah. it comes, right? Mm-hmm. What is it? Grape. 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 Yes! Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's wild. Everyone, yeah. you can try it at home. Here's some extra Skittles <laughs> if you guys want to enjoy. <laughs> well, I have to thank my son for that because he's the one who told me about it. And we had a lot of fun. We Yeah, that's we a really fun family like, thing to do. Yes, we love any kind of like taste test sort mm-hmm. of experiments at home. Well, not related to that at all, but when I was home, my mom saves everything, and she had my old book of stickers. 
and their scratch and sniffs in there, and they still smelled. After all these years. I mean, that scratch and sniff book is older than some people listening to this podcast. And they still smelled. I had a scratch and sniff sticker book when I was a kid, too, Ange. Mm -hmm. It's fate. We were best friends. Well, Toby is now going to realize Daryl's real plan. And he is going to be like, hey, what the heck, Daryl? Yeah. Marches over to accounting. And now they start arguing over who gets to have Kevin. Daryl says, Kevin, do you want to buy cookies from me? And Kevin says, oh, I definitely do. The next two lines of dialogue were improvised the day of. They weren't in the shooting draft. And when they happened, we all lost it over in accounting. It cracked us up so much. Everyone loved it. They're like, you have to do it again. What was it? Craig improvised, hit the road, Jack, to Toby. And then Paul as Toby improvised right back. No, you hit the road, Jack. (laughs) And we lost it. (laughs) Well, eventually, Toby is going to suggest that they split the order. But Kevin says, no, I'm going to pick one of you. And I'm going to decide who it is after I've been wined, dined, and 69'd. Mm -hmm. Metaphorically. Yeah. Well, Jessica N. from Rochester, New York, wrote in and said, I cannot wait to hear what notes standards and practices had for Kevin saying he wanted to be wined, dined, and 69'd. They allowed it to be in there, but are they the reason that Kevin had to say the metaphorically part? I mean, I feel like Todd Packer has thrown this out there before. (laughs) I feel like Todd Packer has said much worse in the last few episodes, Uh or at least comparable, Steve Burgess says he went back, he looked through all of the standards and practices notes for this episode. There was no mention at all of Kevin's line. What about Packer's doggy style? No mention. No mention. I don't know. Maybe was there a change over at standards and practices? Were they on vacation? I don't know. But Steve Burgess did say this line was not in the table draft. That's the one that they send to standards and practices. Okay. But he said um, they are also required to send the network cut and the final locked cut of the episode after we filmed it. And there were no notes on any of those either. He said maybe they missed it or figured we'd said much worse things in the past. (laughs) But Steve said he was surprised that we didn't have to fight about it. Back in Florida at the golf course, Jim and Dwight say their final goodbyes. Dwight's just really gloating. He's being Mm -hmm. really obnoxious. He races off in his golf cart. First one to the clubhouse wins, you know? Yes. And Robert says to Jim, you know what? Let Dwight have his fun now because I've decided to tank the Sabre store. Yeah. He says when Dwight does his presentation for the board with Nellie, he's going to reject their proposal and he's going to fire them on the spot, basically. And he said he couldn't do it sooner because, you know, Joe endorsed the idea, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's a horrible idea, ultimately. He says, have you seen our product? It, we can't sell it in stores. It's a piece of crap. Yeah, people can't hold this in their hand. They've got to order it sight unseen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the only way we're going to sell these things. Well, we got a fan question from Allison H. in Louisville, Kentucky, who said, I have a question. Why did Robert California insist on Jim coming to Florida if he knew that he was going to kill this project in the end and that any of the people tied to it would likely be fired. 
My conspiracy theory is that he was hoping Jim would get the VP job and he would have a reason to fire him because maybe he's still a little bitter at Jim for laughing at his misery in the pool party episode. I know it's a stretch, but I cannot make sense of this because overall he seems to like Jim. Listen, if his plan was to fire everyone involved in the Sabre store launch, Dunder Mifflin would have been downsized maybe in the way it was supposed to be all along. True. But I thought Allison made a good point, which is that Robert was kind of like wanting Jim to come work on something that he knew he was never going to approve. Yeah. Not a cool thing to do to a guy you supposedly like. Yeah. Take him away from his wife and newborn baby. It's clear he didn't care about that. Well, we know that already. Now Nellie and Dwight are practicing their presentation in front of Todd Packer and Gabe and Kathy. And Jim shows up and he says, hey, you know what, Dwight? I, I need to talk to you privately. This starts Dwight and Packer just pretty much going off on Jim, making Mm -hmm. fun of him. Well, this scene was bigger. Mm. And in the shooting draft, there's a slight nod to how Kathy might feel about Jim these days. Mm. Here's how it read. Jim peeks into the room. Jim says, there you are. Dwight says, what are you doing here? I thought I was done with you. Kathy says, I'm calling security. Dwight lifts a hand to call Kathy off. Dwight says, it's okay, Kathy. I'll allow it. And he turns to Jim and says, you'll have to excuse my new assistant. She hates you. (laughs) And then he says, now scram. We're rehearsing. Very interesting. So Kathy is the new VP's assistant. Well, this is very interesting, Angela, because Allison H. from Louisville, Kentucky, wrote in a second letter about this episode. Okay. And Allison said, this is the last time we see Kathy with zero explanation of what happened to her. Is there a deleted scene or anything in the script that explains her disappearance? Was she fired with Packer? I saw a Reddit theory that maybe she was planning to stay in Florida to work at the store, explaining why she was at the meeting when everyone else flew home, and then she got fired, but I don't know if this was ever explicitly addressed. Well, I think this I guess it kind of was, Yeah. Well, if she's the new VP's assistant, Mm -hmm. when he gets fired, she she gets gets fired. fired. Yeah. Also, in an early outline of the script, it says that Kathy gets fired. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, a lot of people that worked in the Sabre store are all fired. Now, some of them weren't regular cast members, Mm -hmm. but pretty much Robert California gets rid of everyone. So, oh my gosh. What? If that were true, then Aaron would have been fired. But she already quit, right? We don't know. We don't know. She's working for Irene. It would mean that Aaron, Gabe, Kathy, Dwight, Packer, and Jim were all fired. And Stanley. Oh, yeah. And Ryan. But Stanley left. Where's Ryan in this meeting? He left. Remember? He got freaked out. Oh, that's right. In the last episode. Okay. Wow. So basically, all the people who abruptly leave... This project that they were working on, you would think those would be the people who would get fired from a company because they abandoned Post. But no, they saved themselves somehow. And Robert's thinking they were smart enough to leave the sinking ship. Hmm. Well, we also had a fan catch from Aiden W. in Portland, Oregon, who said, Oh my gosh, Dwight cracks a joke about Jim's hair and everyone laughs. And then Gabe tries to high-five Kathy and she totally rejects it. It was a hilarious background choice. So I checked the script because I saw this little beat. Mm -hmm. It was not scripted. 
This is what was scripted. Dwight says, quote, what is it? Your hairstylist ran out of messy spray? People laugh obsequiously. <laughs> obsequiously. It says that over and over again. Every time Dwight or Packer give an insult, the script says people laugh obsequiously. Obsequiously. How do you say it? <laughs> what does this mean? I don't know. I'd have to read it. Obsequiously. Obsequiously. Yeah, obsequiously. Do you know what that means? No. <laughs> I mean, Robert Patnick loves obsequiously. It's a very specific adjective. And Are you Googling it? Yeah, I Googled it, and it means in an obedient or attentive to an excessive degree. Oh, so they're laughing at what their boss says is funny, not Anyone else, only the boss is funny. Yes, yeah. it's such a specific direction. And mm -hmm. I think I know exactly how to laugh at something if I knew what that word meant. But, you know, yeah, that it, you have to laugh because you're pleasing your boss. It's the kiss-ass laugh. Yes, the kiss-ass laugh, yeah. Robert. You could have just put laugh. The kiss-ass laugh. <laughs> laugh in a kiss-ass way. But, no, the proper way to say that is obsequiously. We also had another fan question from Natasha M. in the UK, who said, I've been waiting ages to ask this. When Dwight says to Jim, quote, you look like the world's tallest hobbit, was this a nod to Jim's UK counterpart, Tim, played by Martin Freeman, who also played Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit? Oh. Um, well, Natasha, I don't know. However, that line was not in the script. I think it was a pitch on the day because the script had Dwight saying, you should just know that your shadow looks like a sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Angela, Natasha from the UK would like you to know that since listening to Office Ladies, she has left her previous employer of 22 years to become a trainee train driver. And she fully qualified July 7th. So Natasha said, I'm not sure when this episode will air, but I will potentially be a qualified train driver by then. And Natasha knows you love trains. I do. Way to go, Natasha. Congratulations. Maybe I'll get to ride on your train someday. Yeah, when we go to the UK. Yeah. I love taking the train. Me too. I just went to another place. Did you see me? <laughs> yeah, train. you went to your happy train place. Okay. Well, listen, Jim is going to say, I tried. I tried to tell Dwight what was going to happen. He just made fun of me, basically. So I'm out of here. I have a plane to catch. He leaves. Yes, add Jim to the list of people who bail and don't lose their job. Correct. Well, back at Irene's house, Aaron has decided to video chat with Andy to let him know that she's not going to be working for Dunder Mifflin anymore. Yes. Her password is Aaron1234. Irene knows more about all of this technology than Aaron. Yeah, I mean, the scene starts off with them doing this little gag of coming in sideways and then moving the screen and all of this. And, and they're um, giggling. and Yeah, but then when he finds out that she's not coming back, mm -hmm. he's pretty upset. You know, in a table read version of the script, mm -hmm. Jessica calls his cell phone while he's doing this bit with Aaron on the laptop. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, like, annoyed trying to get Jessica off the line. Why, Andy? Why? I Jessica is terrific. I know. She brings out a great side of you. I know. I don't get it. And I guess I would just say, you know what, Jessica, you dodged a bullet because this man doesn't appreciate you. 
You don't want to be Mrs. Maybe. No, you don't, Angela. That's right. So get rid of Mr. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So now Jim is on his way to the airport. He's uh, in the car. I mean, he's going. Yeah, he's in one of those passenger vans. Mm-hmm. And Stanley is in the back. He's kind of slumped towards the window. He's grumpy. I mean, he doesn't want to be Scranton Stanley. He wants to be Florida Stanley. Yeah. But Jim's talking to Pam on the phone, and Pam is kind of saying, Jim, you have to tell Dwight. You have to. And Jim's insisting that he tried. And she's like, did you, though? Did you try? And I think, you know, this is how, I guess it does track. I mean, how hard did Jim try to get Kathy out of his hotel room? And how hard did he try to tell Dwight this news? I mean, Jim's definition of try is pretty weak. You know, it was interesting during this scene. I couldn't help but hear you a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Because one of the things you're really good at is sort of understanding how people talk to one another. And so when Pam's like, no, wait, what exactly did Robert say he's going to do? Mm -hmm. And Jim's like, I don't know, maybe like give Dwight a talking to. And Pam very clearly says, Robert doesn't talk like that. He's (laughs) going to fire him. And I feel like sometimes Jenna, like, will meet someone and I'll be like, oh, yeah. And you're like, no, 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 this is what's happening. And I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) I don't know if that's totally true, but... I think that's a compliment, so I'll no, take it. No, it is a compliment. I think you're good at cutting through the BS and seeing what's really happening. Well, Jim is going to ultimately promise Pam, okay, I'll tell Dwight. And thus begins something that I found very odd. I'll talk about it later. What? I'll talk about it later. Oh. It's okay. I'll bring it up when we get there. Oh, Okay. Basically, okay, I'll just say it. Because now I'm curious. I know, and you don't want to wait. Okay, I don't want you to have to guess. Stanley can't go to the airport? Why does Stanley wait to go to the airport, too? Oh, because they're in the same passenger van. They're in the same passenger van. How does this all go down? Jim's going to turn around the whole passenger van with Stanley in it? Stanley doesn't want to leave Florida. Do you think he cares if he takes a detour? Okay, all right, I'll buy that. Thank you. He probably went to the hotel bar and is having a cocktail. You're right. Back in Scranton, Toby and Daryl are really going at it now. They're campaigning super hard to win Kevin's cookie business. And the whole bullpen is just sitting around watching. They're shouting out different things they have to do. The whole workday has stopped for this. Yeah. They're like, you have to kiss Meredith. You have to, what are all the other things? They have to sing a song for him. I've got some surprising news about that song. Guess how much it cost us? Four dollars. Zero dollars. Oh! Zero. It was public domain. We got it for nothing. Well, nothing is really resolved here. He hasn't picked a winner, and they threaten to stop competing for his business until he reveals he's prepared to order triple digits. Yeah. Well, remember how our writer Robert told me there was this Pam Kevin Mm storyline in his original outline? It would have culminated with this. Pam becomes concerned that Kevin is being taken advantage of. Okay. That he really doesn't need to buy 100 boxes of cookies. So she decides she will not buy her two boxes of Thin Mints, which is equally hard for her if Kevin doesn't buy his 100 boxes. She's like, Kevin, come on. We're going to make this pack together. And that solidarity gives Kevin the strength to not buy any cookies at all. Oh, wow. So the episode would have ended with Kevin buying nothing. Yeah, Kevin would have made the choice that he doesn't need 100 boxes of cookies, not because he loses the favor of Daryl and Toby. 
kind of like it. I know. And what Robert said he really liked is that it was just as hard for Pam to give up her two boxes of Thin Mints (laughs) as it was for Kevin to give up 100 boxes of cookies. Well, back at Sabre, Jim rushes in to tell Dwight about Robert's plan, but Dwight doesn't believe him. No. He says nothing is going to stop him, which is the mark of a great man. Dunder Mifflin, the farm, Moe's, they're in his rearview mirror. He has a date with destiny. We had a fan question about this, Angela, from Amberly B. in Florida, who said, I have never understood how Dwight is so ready to leave behind Scranton. He once said one of his life goals was to die in his desk chair at Dunder Mifflin. Yeah. Also, his beet farm, which has been passed down in his family for generations. He's devoted so much time to it. He loves living out there. It seems like a lot for him to leave behind. Discuss. Well, Amberly, I think this is a great question, and I, I really hear what you mean. All I can think of is that Dwight has yearned for this title, mm-hmm. some kind of title. It's given him a sense of confidence, self-worth. It's been this thing he's been working towards for so long. And I think in the moment, it's blurred some of the things that really mean a lot to him Mm -hmm. because he's wanted it for so long. This title, this VP or branch manager, whatever it was, it's a title at this company. Yeah. I think that his ambition is blinding him here. Yeah. Nothing Jim says works, so he's decided to just tackle Dwight. Yeah. Just tackle him to the ground. And look all of a sudden who has pain in his appendix stitches. Yes. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem to bother him when he was going after the bed bugs. Nope. He could dive into a bed and roll around in some sheets. But mm-hmm. when he got tackled, he was like, oh, my appendix. Yeah. Well, I think Dwight was faking a little bit because he's going to rev up and he's going to try to charge Jim. He's going to go up the wall a little bit and then he falls. <laughs> I thought it was so funny when he started doing his little foot back and forth motion on the carpet. Jim was like, I know what you're doing. Yeah. It doesn't work. This is when they reminded me of two brothers that just know each other so well. Oh, yeah. That's such a good observation. So we got a lot of fan mail about this fight. People wanted to know if they were just playing around or if it was choreographed. And I reached out to Steve Burgess and You know, he reminded me that this was actually the action here was meticulously scripted and that it was all worked out with our stunt coordinator, Brett Jones. It was all choreographed. He said for some of the close-up shots, we had fall pads on the ground and then they would pull them out for the wider shots. But they did such a great job of making it look like it was just happening in the moment. Robert Padnick said this moment between Jim and Dwight was one of the highlights for him of the episode. Well, I went to the script, and I pulled out all of the stage directions that Robert wrote, and they really executed them perfectly. We should read them, because they're so detailed. I know. Okay, so here are all of the scripted actions. It starts with this. Jim has dragged Dwight away from the conference room into another room. Dwight clings to the wall as Jim pulls on him. Jim puts his hand over Dwight's mouth to stop him from yelling. After a moment, he pulls away. Dwight starts kicking at Jim's crotch. Jim tugs on him harder. Now, I don't remember that part. (laughs) Now we get to the part where he's supposed to act like a bull, and it says, still doubled over, Dwight charges Jim like a bull. Dwight starts scuffing his foot on the floor. Then he starts running in place. 
Dwight charges at Jim, then veers at the last second. He tries to run up the wall and over Jim, but crashes to the ground. It continues, guys. You think you're done there. No. It says Dwight and Jim, both tired, continue to tussle. Dwight is arduously dragging Jim. He stops exhausted. Then <laughs> it says Dwight pokes a finger into Jim's kidney. I don't, I don't remember think that. that happened. Maybe it did, though, and we yep. cut it down. Maybe this was a bigger fight for them. It says that Dwight lifts Jim up but can only get him a few inches off the ground. I liked that detail. That was funny. He slams him down. By the way, I loved it when Jim grabbed the plant. That's not in the direction, mm-hmm. but it cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it ends with them both on the ground and Dwight rolling over and getting up with a groan, it says. Jim stays on the ground. He's done. He tried. Now that is trying. Okay, Pam. Okay. I just want to say, now you can say you've tried. Well, while all of this was going on, there would have been a scene inside the boardroom. It was in the shooting draft. We did shoot it. It's in deleted scenes. And Todd Packer is going to try to bond with Robert California. Oh, yeah, because they're all in there. And they're like, where's Dwight? Yeah, they're just going on. Why aren't we starting this? Yeah. Well, Jenna, you might have a soulmate in Robert, California, because here's what happened. The shooting draft read, the board has gathered. The current slide reads, what's in store? Robert sits contentedly awaiting what's to come. Packer sidles up next to him. Packer says, amped for thrones. Off of Robert's blank look, Packer says, game of thrones. There's a long beat. Packer says, it's a show on HBO. Robert says, oh, no. (laughs) Packer slinks away. (laughs) Oh, Robert. Look, Jenna, there's someone else that's not as into sort of fantasy stuff. I know. Maybe he would have loved The Edge. (laughs) (laughs) I think he would have, actually. Mm -hmm. I think he really would have. As it turns out, Packer is going to take over the role of VP. He's going to do the presentation with Nellie. Yeah, he knows it forwards and backwards and doggy style. He's ready to go. And as promised, Robert is going to tank it and fire Packer. Yeah. Just as Dwight is walking in the door, he hears this and he realizes Jim was right. Jim really was trying to save his job. Yeah. My second favorite line of this episode happened in this scene. Nellie says, whatever you do, do not blame Todd Packer. It is not his fault. Blame his upbringing, his parents, the society that would mold this idiotic creature. Fire the employee, yes, but not the man. You may not cancel his soul. And then Robert California says, that was never on the table. (laughs) This cracked me up. Dwight's going to leave the conference room, and he's going to have a nice moment with Jim. He's going to realize Jim really was being his friend. It's a really sweet kind of moment. In the hallway, offers Jim his hand to yeah. help him up off the ground. Jim hasn't moved. He's very tired. I saw a few people write in and say they wondered if this was a turning point for Jim and Dwight. Yeah, that's true. There were people who remembered what Greg Daniels said about how Jim and Dwight were never to become friends, but they thought, 
there have been a couple of nods in the last few episodes, them having their desserts in Florida mm-hmm. and then this moment in Florida. Yep. Don't worry. They'll fight again. Well, now the Saber Florida crew are going to arrive back to Scranton. They walk in. Stanley, Dwight, Jim, everyone's excited to see them. Pam seems surprised. She's like, hey, stranger. Then they make out in front of everyone. I just wrote, awkward, what the hell is happening? Is this Jim's first time seeing Pam? Had they not been texting? She seems surprised. Now they're making out. What the heck? Well, Angela, Mila P. from Houston, Texas, was also confused and wondered, Pam is so shocked to see Jim. How is it possible that a wife doesn't know her husband is coming back home after being gone for a while? Also, Savannah M. from Salt Lake City, Utah, said, Why did the Florida team come back to the office rather than go home? It seems weird to bring all their luggage to the office rather than have the rest of the day off. And Anna L. from Granada, Spain, who is now living in Cork, Ireland, said, How many hours did this day have? They started playing golf, had a meeting about Saber, Dwight and Jim got in a fight, and still took a flight from Tallahassee to Scranton to arrive back at the office before 5 (laughs) p.m. That's a good point. And by the way, I want to say, Anna, I looked it up. And it is an almost four-hour flight from Tallahassee to Scranton. This is what I wrote down, Angela. How is Jim arriving back with Stanley? Weren't they on an earlier flight? Why wouldn't Stanley have just flown on his original flight? Also, Dwight didn't even have a plane ticket home because he thought he was staying in Florida. How did the three of them all wind up on the same flight out of Florida and make it back by 5 p.m.? And also, wouldn't Pam pick him up at the airport? Or wouldn't she be like, honey, you were supposed to come home three hours ago on that other flight that you told me you were coming home on? No, she's like, hey, stranger. (laughs) Well, you know, it had been a long time since Jim and Pam had been scripted to do a kiss. Oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, John and I, we just kept breaking. I think it was also because Ed was, like, right over our shoulder. Andy is right there. He's <laughs> supposed to, I guess, take in the moment, get inspired to go get Aaron. But it's so awkward because he's just a little head bobbing behind you. Well, there's a bunch of bloopers of that moment. I'll tell you that. Andy's now going to have this talking head where he says, I'm going to Florida, you know, going to go get Aaron. It's crazy, right? And he's trying to shut off his computer, but he has all these tabs open and it's moving slowly. Ah, What the hell's happening? He has a ring. He's ready to propose to Jessica. Mm Mm-hmm. A diamondless ring. Yeah. From his family. He has a setting ready to go. (laughs) Exactly. Jessica. We're sorry. Yeah. Sorry. He's off to Florida. There was an alternate ending to this episode. Oh, yeah? It's in the shooting draft. It's a hilarious tag. I kind of felt like we should read it. Oh, Okay. So it's between Phyllis and Stanley. And Jenna, you read Phyllis and I'll read Stanley. Okay. The script read, interior Stanley's desk clump, morning. Phyllis unplugs and takes Kathy's mouse from her desk. Phyllis starts the scene. I'll take this. Kathy's not here anymore. Phyllis looks at Stanley's desk. What's with the stuff? Well, I realize Florida isn't just a state, Phyllis. It's a state of mind. Look at this. Stanley points to a bottle of sand. Is that cocaine? It's my beach. 
Stanley points to a bottle of water. This is my ocean. Stanley picks up a flashlight and points it at his face. Stanley continues, and this is my sun. Stanley spritzes some suntan lotion spray in the air. He sniffs the air, shuts his eyes, and starts softly moaning, a small smile on his face. Stanley? Stanley? He doesn't respond. This would cut to a Stanley talking head where he would say, Well, I just came back from paradise, which felt like a dream, and now I feel like I woke up and I'm in hell. How the f*** are you? (laughs) End of episode. End of episode. Oh, thank you to Steve Burgess and Robert Padnick and also to Phil Shea for helping us fill out this episode. And thanks to you guys for sending in your questions and comments. We'll see you next week. See you then. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our senior producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our in-studio engineer is Sam Kiefer. Our editing and mixing engineer is Jordan Duffy. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.